Welcome to the new club backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host, Matt Considine, and I'm your only host today because our co-host, the professor, is, is not with us. And the reason's good. I mean, I can't give him too much grief, but I will. Uh, it's his big member guest. If you're a dedicated listener to the podcast, you know how, pro- how the professor is exceptionally passionate about a little nine-hole golf course in the Sasquatchie Valley. Sweetens Cove. Uh, well, it's the Endeavor this weekend. It's his member guest. Um, I don't really want to get into why I'm not there as his guest. You know, I think we've actually covered that in great detail uh, throughout this season. So again, if you're a dedicated listener, you, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but we wish the professor all the best and his deadbeat guest that he brought down from Ohio, same state, great state of Ohio that I currently reside, Chris Miller. I hope you get on a double bogey train and, and my, my butt gets in your seat next year. Uh, love you, buddy. Know you're listening. Anyways, we're seeing Professor today. I know we all look forward to his knowledge and research that he bestows on us at the top of every show. I thought about it. I was going to kind of try to replace the Professor's fun facts. I'm not going to do it. I just don't have that acumen. Uh, I'll stick to my game of the game of golf. And the fine membership at New Club. We have so much coming up that I just wanted to uh, give some credit and care to. We have a bunch of new events in November to kind of round out the year. So Atlanta, your winter formal is on the horizon. It's only two weeks from when this episode drops. We have our Atlanta winter formal on Thursday, November 2nd. Today's guest of this show has a lot to do with that evening. It's Andy Gonzalez, Chef Andy Gonzalez of the companion where we're going to be for our year-end celebration, the winter formal, we call it. We throw on the ties, we have some drinks, we make some toasts, and and we just enjoy each other's company, not on the golf course, for a slight change. So looking forward to our winter formal, looking forward to chatting with Andy here today. Also, two days later, our Atlanta Club Championship, both the net and gross division, will be getting underway on Saturday, November 4th. That's the Sweet 16, top eight gross, top eight net. We'll play match play, nine hole matches until we have our 2023 Atlanta Club Champions. We're going to uh, Country Club of Columbus. I have not been, but I'm a Big Donald Ross head, and everyone I talk to talks about this place in high, high regard. It's kind of a cradle of amateur golf. The Haskins Award started there. There's so much cool things that happened at, at Country Club of Columbus over the years. I'm looking forward to diving into some of that history. But the course is firm and fast. That's what I've heard, which is always a delight if we can get firm and fast in the fall season. Uh, so they're going to throw out some pretty wicked pins for us on that day. Good luck to everyone coming down the finals. We got one more week, Atlanta, one more week to get in those qualifying spots for the Sweet 16. Chicago, I know it's getting chilly. I know it's getting cold. We have the honeypot on the way. That's Honestly, if we were to look at all the reviews of all of our events, I think this snow and sleet played cross-country honeypot is... is unanimous, the, the best event, or at least from um, uh, survey results. So the honeypot is coming up. That's always a blast. Bring your guest. Uh, Five-person scrambles. We'll have uh, the honeypot, of course. They'll be chilly. They'll be whiskey. We'll get through whatever weather presents itself. And then we're on to our winter formal in Chicago, and our friend Chef David Posey will be hosting us at Elsk. So there's a lot in the month of November. If you're a national member, come to any of it. We'd love to see you. Atlanta, Chicago. Uh, 
And national members, you got a lot to look forward to next year. Just running through the list, our winter meeting is headed to California and the golf courses of Alistair McKenzie. The spring meeting's going straight back to Sweetens Cove. The summer medal is headed to Wisconsin and Sand Valley, including the Lido, which I can't wait to get the Hickory sets out at Lido. And then the Founders Cup, the Fall Founders Cup in the courses of Mike Strands in South Carolina. So national members, we can't wait to see at all as many of those as you can make. Uh, but you're always welcome to join the chapters. Not a member of New Club? What are you waiting for? Thanks for listening. We love you. Start playing your happiest, healthiest, heartfelt golf. Join New Club today, newclub.golf. Finally, True Temper. Thank you for sponsoring today's episode. True Temper, the number one shaft in golf. When this airs, we'll just be getting back from Big Cedar Lodge and the 2023 Founders Cup, where, frankly, I know today's an Atlanta-focused episode with our friend Andy coming on, but... I'm rooting for Chicago in this thing. They're getting their butts handed to them three years in a row. They lost in Wisconsin. They lost in, in uh, the Mid Pines. They lost at Bandon last year. Now we're going to Big Cedar Lodge. Chicago, stand up. We need some Malort in that cup. Uh, go get these international, national, and, and Atlanta members. Um, get that cup back. Get that cup. Actually, get the cup to Chicago. It's never been back. It's, it's uh, in, the cup, in the cup era. It's never happened. Get that cup uh, I'm rooting for you guys. We'll see you at Big Cedar. Thank you to True Temper, who is the official partner of that event. True Temper has been a fantastic partner of this uh, show all year long. You probably have True Temper shafts throughout your bag and don't even know it. They represent a ton of brands, uh, including Project X, Aerotech, Acra, uh, design shafts, golfers of all skill levels, Dynamic Gold, Hazardous, and it's trusted by 85% of the PGA Tour every single week. So thank you, True Temper. Now, without the professor, without further ado, on to the show. Andy Gonzalez, welcome to The Bag Drop. Thanks. Nice to be here. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. This is a wonderful booking. I am very excited to talk to you. I also wanted you on the show because my co-host, who snubbed me once again at the member guest at Sweetens Cove. Another snub. I think we're seven years in a row snubbing. He I mean, really... at some point, it's not a snub, right? Like, at some <laughs> point, right? Is it a snub anymore if you're just not invited? Like, I think, yeah, that's a good point. It's more of a black ball, <laughs> if anything. I might be on a list. <laughs> Sorry. I started out, I came in hard. That's, uh, <laughs> I should be nicer on your podcast. <laughs> You should not. No, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. It's deserving to uh, to know. But I. I wanted you on this show for this week because the professor really wanted to chat with you too. He is fascinated by you, my friend. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. He's been talking about Andy all year. I'm not gonna let him talk to Andy if he's not gonna let me play in the member guest. I'm not gonna let him talk to Andy. Oh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, this is a cool show. I've been listening uh, to your episodes for the last week, uh, just trying to get acclimated to what you guys talk about. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified to be here because I, I know nothing about anything anybody had to say about like breaking your brain and rebuilding it. And I don't know any of that at all, but I'm here. Well, Let's talk about something I know about. Hopefully we'll see. Hey man, my, my my intelligence level is is a couple notches below the professor. So I was like, I don't think they got the right guy. I'm like, oh, I'll go on, but sure. I I, I kind of wanted to. Uh, I've always enjoyed hanging out with you, Andy, and I think you you have a a, a well deserved reputation amongst membership uh, in New Club of of just a great guy to play with, a great guy to hang out with, and um, 
I, I'm fascinated by it for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I, I have this, this budding interest in the culinary profession, so I hope we can touch on that a little bit today and, and the restaurant biz and, um, and, and that world, which you have a, a ton of experience, obviously. But, but uh, why don't we start from the beginning, if you don't mind. Take me, take me to, to young Andy. Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, the youngest, uh, 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 the youngest boy in a Mexican American family. Very, um, it's a little cliche. Grew up in the suburbs, um, single mother, four siblings, uh, just trying to get out of Dallas as fast as I could. I think I left around 25 um, and then moved to Savannah. Uh, chasing a girl that didn't work out, but everything else turned out fine. <laughs> Started cooking there, working in restaurants, and then uh, moved to Atlanta, assuming I would go to a food city afterwards. I'd save up a little money and move to Chicago or San Francisco, New York, whatever. You name your big time city. And it turned out that Atlanta was just right. Like it's beautiful here, about six months a year. I met my wife uh, here, um, opened some places here. Uh, it's been good. It's been a good place. Atlanta's just, it's so, it's nice enough. So you just never leave. You, it, yeah. Got lots of trees. It's like living in a forest. It's beautiful. So that, uh, I, I, I've always been impressed by the, uh, the, just the entire scene of Atlanta, where I think Atlanta had that 90s reputation, right? Of the boom and the, ho- the housing market was crazy and very corporate. But there, there's some good soul to the city of Atlanta. You just got to know where to look. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's, um, it is a very multicultural city. Like you have, um, uh, huge swaths of Latinos. You have, uh, of course, um, African-American culture here. Uh, there's all, all, all there's always going to be like this kind of, um, like swirling pot of, of culture and experience here. Um, and you see it crop up, like you can get amazing Thai food here. Uh, you can get killer Mexican food here. You can get Southern food here. You can get sushi here. You can, when it comes to food and food culture, Atlanta is a very vibrant place. Um, there's always room for improvement. I mean, I don't think we're quite to the uh, Manhattan levels, but we're, we're working on it every day. So, yeah. 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 What, what, so when you're 25, you said you kind of set out yeah. on, on that path. Give us some of that journey. Like what restaurant did you start in? What was your first, what was your first gig in? in uh the restaurant biz oh as a bar uh when i was uh when i was about to move to savannah i asked a friend of mine uh sarah tillman who passed last year but she was great she had a place called tillman's corner and i bartended there uh poorly i bartended poorly for sarah tillman uh trying to figure out what i was going to do uh to make ends meet when i moved to savannah to go to scad and so uh I worked there first and then i worked uh, as a bartender at a place called bicho savannah and then Eventually, I became a waiter and then a front of the house manager. And then one day I was at this fine dining place and I could tell that the chef was behind. And I said, do you need any help? And he said, yes, but I don't know what you're going to do. And so I went back there and like picked herbs and sauteed mushrooms and tried not to cut myself. And the minute I put the double buttons on, it was it was over. Like I quit SCAD like within a, a month or two. I was pretty sure that that was what I wanted to do. And it turned out it turned out I, mean, I told my mom she was fucking furious she could not have been any matter she's like we just spent all this money on your brain and you want to use your hands what is wrong with you and so now she's cool with it only after multiple places and uh appearances on national television is she anywhere near cool with what i do so i mean 
yeah, yeah I, I, I know your mom has a, a huge influence on you because I've, I've followed you on Instagram. I've, I've seen you say some just honestly beautiful things about your, your mother and your relationship with her and the inspiration from her. Did so was she was she in the kitchen a lot? Because I mean, did yeah, you? She- did you learn from her kind of your your ba- your foundation of, of cooking? No, as the youngest, like I said, the youngest uh, a boy in a Mexican American family, you don't pick up any pans. Like you're if even if you did, like I remember watching um, every every summer, I would watch uh, a, a ten ten thirty was the frugal gourmet, uh, eleven o'clock was uh, Justin Wilson, and then um, eleven thirty was Great Chefs of the Southwest, and so I would watch those back to back to back. And my sisters, my three older sisters, would come home and be like, "What'd you do today?" It's like, "Well, I watch my cooking shows," and, and they're like, "Why do you watch cooking shows? You don't cook. You don't have any interest in cooking. We would never allow you to cook. We wouldn't ha- let you touch fire." <laughs> and so I, I didn't realize it, but it was it was very f- formative. And so uh, yeah, my mom has the ability to. She has an ability to make delicious food out of not shit. Like we were poor. So she has a very, it's a very Latino, very poor people ability to take something nobody else wants and turn it into something delicious. That is a, that is a skill that is underrated. Like I hear chefs talk about all the time, like ingredients, ingredients, ingredients. And I agree a hundred percent that if the herbs are the best and the meat is the best and the olive oil is the best, et cetera, et cetera, it will be the best. But you give me a poor Mexican lady who can turn $10 into dinner for a family of six. I'll take that skill any day, any day of the week over. I may, I took all the best shit and made something delicious. Well, of course you did. It was all delicious to start with. So that's, yeah, that's my mom. That was, that's really close to something I was thinking about as I was getting ready to chat with you today. It's like, probably when I met you, Andy, I started getting in to the kitchen myself more, like so many during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't go out as often. I had a little bit more time without, you know, going places. And and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to teach myself to cook. And, and it's not that I couldn't, you know, do the basics uh, at home, but I wanted to like kind of spruce it up. This is prior to kids. So I was getting into some kind of things that I thought was mm-hmm. a bit more sophisticated. And it's like, yeah. now we have kids. And what you just said about your mother, I want that skill set so bad of just like good stuff from, you know, empty pantries because we forgot to go to the store for the last right. two weeks and, and the kids actually eat it. My wife's happy. I'm happy. Like I would, I, that's satisfaction. And so I've, I've actually changed my mindset towards more of like utilitarian maybe in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it's, it's, I've never heard someone fr- describe it the way that, that you did. My question around this for you probably is, is this. As a trained chef, as someone that's been, you know, making incredible food for a long time, what's that like? What do you look at with that? When you get home, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before, it's nothing, but when you get home and you're cooking for the family, like how separate is that from when you're cooking at the restaurant? Like for you, is it, is it like, like uh, Dustin Johnson watching some brand new person, you know, hit balls at Top Golf, or is it? <laughs> Uh, well, do you mean when I cook or do when my wife cooks? My wife is an excellent cook. She's really, really good. What she's, her best skill is to take, uh, vitamins and, uh, things that are good for you, like actual nutrition and inject it into your meal, uh, so that you're, you're eating truly good food. That's good for you and delicious. She's really good at that. I 
uh, I'm a restaurant chef. My goal is to delight you. If you are delighted, then I won. I don't care how it affects your body. <laughs> like, like it, there's going to be butter. There's going to be fat. There's going to be bacon. There's probably going to be some cheese. Like, so, uh, and I tried to, to, I'll put a vegetable on there and make a nice salad. But for the most part, yeah. I mean, when it comes to coming home and cooking, like, I don't see those, those are different. Those are different things. Yeah. Like when I cook at the restaurant, I have to think about like what we have, what's going to sell, what my cooks can execute, what I'm willing to do with how much time I have on my hands. Like if I have four to five hours to knock out some gnocchi and we're going to run, we have smoked pork in the, in the fridge. We're going to run smoked pork with tomatoes and garlic and shallots, and we're going to toast the gnocchi and butter and po and poach an egg on top of it. That, that is, though, I have to think about every one of those things that, to make sure that we're, we have a successful plan when it comes to home. Like there's two kind, there's two different, different ways to cook for my family. There's like, I made tortillas yesterday. They, they were in the fridge overnight. I'm going to make those and then I'll start the, you know, the braised chicken or the, the smoked pork or the brisket, I, like out front. That's like a, a production where everything yeah. comes together. Or there's like, everybody's hungry. We have bacon, peas and pasta. I have an egg. I will make an My egg thing. and put it on top and I'll shave some pecorino parmesan on top and ta-da, that's dinner. Like, so those are, that's just two different. This I think of cooking in a lot of different ways. It's, it, so it sounds like, and I'm gonna stick with the home, the at home questions here. I hope you don't mind because yeah. I talked to some some other members that are also kind of like their at home chef, and they they struggle with. I think I, I hear two things the most. They make something that they know like them and their wife love, and their kids hate it. Uh, so I, I would love to hear if you've ever made something that's you know, you know, is incredible. You know that at the restaurant, this thing hits every single time and people leave happy, but your kids are like, dad, this, what is this? You know, I don't want this. Did, did you, have you run into that? I know your kids are what, eight, nine, 10 years they're old. Nine, they're nine. They'll be 10 soon. They, we, uh, my wife and I just realized, uh, we, we paid into this well for a long time. You know, we primed this pump for a long time. And just now recently over the last year, they've started eating, like I'll make an Indian curry or I'll make a Thai curry or I'll, you know, I'll make a little salsa and they'll put some on there. Or we'll go out to a restaurant. They know how to behave. Like they have been, they have been trained because I am restaurant people and my wife is restaurant people. And so they must learn how to behave at a restaurant. And when it comes to food that I cook, usually they like it or I, I know what they're going to enjoy. So I try to tailor it to them, but um, yeah, occasionally I get feedback, not my favorite, thing. I don't like, I'm not a big feedback fan. I know I'm supposed to be in 2023. I'm supposed to be, no, tell me what you think and tell me all your feelings. I don't really want to, I don't really want to, when it comes to my food, I don't want to know how you're feeling about it. <laughs> but my kids, my, my son, Miles, he'll be like, uh, I would give this a nine out of 10. I'm like, thanks. Thank you, Miles. I, that I, feels good. That's got to feel good no matter what, right? I know for me, if I no, watch <laughs> I don't want nine out of 10. I want 10. What's wrong with it? Can you cook? What do you know? Damn, I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, no, I'm talking to my, I'm, oh, talking the, to my, the my kid. The He's nine. He doesn't know what 10 is. Like, okay, fine. Nine out of 10, sure. Yeah, yeah kid, you don't know what a 10 is. <laughs> <laughs> the, other yeah. one, the other one I might ask you from the, the at-home chef, and I know it's, it's such a different ballgame, but time. Time is so, 
it's so difficult. Like when you, you have the full intention to, to put something on the table that's delicious and, and hopefully healthy. And uh, like you said, just kind of fills people up, makes them feel good. But when, a lot of days I have that intention, but it's already 7 p.m. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, shit, what could I do? You have any tactics for an at-home chef that would just save time, that would help them, you know, get on a better foot and get three, four meals on the table every week that are actually sustenance that's good and, and fun and, uh, and productive. Do you have any tips on time? Yeah, have a larder, have a, have a pantry with the ingredients that you enjoy. Like uh, I can name, like for instance, in our pantry, there's probably, I know that there's canned tomatoes. I know that there's multiple kinds of pasta. I know that we have uh, vegetables that are frozen in the fridge. We also get like fresh vegetables in a and a, like a crate every uh, every week, um, just delivered to our front door that are grown locally. Um, there's, I know that there's multiple kinds of hot sauce in there. I know there's multiple kinds of soy sauce in there. I know that there's multiple kinds of olive oils in there and probably a grapeseed oil, some sesame oil, some chili crisp. Um, I just, and, and always I have a rice cooker. Uh, we have a big bag of jasmine rice that we pull from. So it's like just, be set up for success. Like think about the things that your your family likes to eat and have them lying around, especially if they don't go bad. Like, uh, you know, proteins are always dicey to have around because they go bad fast, but really quickly. But, uh, you know, it's the, it's the other stuff. It's the anchovies and oil that are on your shelf or in your cooler. There's, um, yeah, it's just uh, make you can make vinaigrettes and they stay pretty good for a week. Um, there's like ginger scallion sauce that I like to make that stays good in the fridge for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, just have stuff around that you can throw together. Frozen shrimp is usually a pretty big hit around here. And that's like quick. So, yeah, just be ready. That's good. Yeah, a lot of those things I do not have in my pantry right now. So that's no note taken. Um Let's interject some golf. If you don't mind, I wanted to jump okay. around today with cool. you a little bit. When did you start playing the game? Uh, I started playing about the time I was maybe 32 or 33. Um, my dad was a golfer. He was um, really good. He was a scratch golfer. I have a half-brother who's a pro. Uh, my father-in-law was a low handicapper. My brother-in-law was a low handicapper. My mother-in-law is a low handicapper. Um, but my dad took off when I was little, so I really hated the game of golf. Like, I really despised it. Um, and it wasn't until I got older that uh, when I met my father-in-law, he took me out to play, and he kicked the living shit out of me. Like, he was on fire that day. And he and I could tell I could tell that he knew that I'm, I'm really competitive. I'm highly, highly competitive. And so... He knew that if he like just took me out to the woodshed, that'd be like, this old man's not going to beat me for the rest of my life or his life for that matter. So then he got me hooked and he started sending me, he was a CEO of like multiple corporations. He was a, a well-to-do, well-accomplished, uh, incredibly intelligent, very BMOC, big man on campus style, Dan Wilson. Like he walked in and you could feel like uh, a, a movement in the force. Like he was obviously a, a man not to be trifled with. He's very interesting and very kind. But anyway, he started sending me his old sets of clubs. So he sent me the first set that he ever sent me was a, a set of ping ISIs. And, um, and I, I'd started practicing and I started really wanting to be better, but I didn't want to be good at golf until I was probably 30, probably 35, 34, 35. And so like, 
Yeah, and then it became more of an obsession for a while. And I would play as a chef. I was off on Monday, so I'd go play by myself because there's nobody else was available. And that, so, yeah. That, that is shocking to me. So you had to have had some basis prior to 32, 35 of the game then. I mean, with all those p- people in your family that were talented golfers, like, no, really, my dad. Did, did you not pick no. up a club before that? No, no. My dad was a, like I said, my dad was a, he was a pretty selfish person. He left my mom with, uh, I was one. Uh, my brother was 10. Uh, there were two uh, and three and three. My, all my three of my sisters were in high school um, when he left. And the last thing he did is came in and took his golf clubs. Uh, and so like, it was, that was the seventies. It was 1974. It was very me generation kind of bullshit. So yeah. So I had a, a, there was a stigma there for a long time and it wasn't until later on that I was like, okay, okay. Tiger Woods is cool. And my father-in-law is nice. So let's give this a shot. I love, I love the shout out to the seventies. They're like, yeah, you know, this is the seventies. People were just shitty. So they were, they were super shitty. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people like just, outwardly beat their children and everybody was cool with it like it was when people like ask me if i want a time machine i'm like nah son i'm not going back like it was sucked back there it was the worst is it yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> isn't it isn't it funny that the the game of golf like especially after this boom we've just seen and there's like this double digit growth in rounds played but it's really coming from uh not the old dodgy white guy golf that people kind of assume would be the case. It, it was from a wave of, of, of new, younger, uh, uh, more diverse group. And, and the, the data shows it. And I think one thing that's really interesting about what you just said is like, I've heard so many people, I've, I've heard so many members of new club even that they're like, I fucking hated golf. And the reasons why was just because I worked for this guy and he was a total ass or, you know, they, they, they viewed golf through this one lens, right. Of, of, Oh, this is what it must be that. And I'll kind of put the titles of elitism and exclusion on it and, and just, and, and selfishness, right. That's a, I think that's a great one that, that golf definitely takes a lot of time. It's an individual sport. It's like <laughs> this, this really selfish thing, but for, for, you know, you and, and other people and myself too, we, like coming to the game and kind of figuring out, well, what is it to me? Cause I don't want golf. I don't want that golf. I don't want my father's golf. I don't want right. that. Like what this is, this is different than I thought it was. So what, what was it for you? Like, I, it, it sounds like your, your, your father-in-law was, it was a huge influence, but what, it, what has golf become for you now for Andy Gonzalez, you know, in, in his life? Uh, well, golf is, I, I, it's a pastime for me. It's also, um, you know, you've played with me. I'm not a good ball striker. I have a homemade swing, um, but I can get up and down from a lot of different places. And so hands, for, baby chef <laughs> for me, it's, resi- it's about resilience. Like it, I could put myself in any, any number of situations like that. I've gone low, like once or twice, because I could, I consider myself a high floor, low, low ceiling golfer in NBA parlance. I am probably not going to shoot over 82. I'm also probably not going to go under par either, but I'm going to hover in that range. Um, and so like, I love the idea of I, I have whatever I have today. It's like cooking. I have whatever I have today, and I'm going to use my skill to make the best thing out of what I have. I, if, there's I a, if there's an overarching metaphor, 
There absolutely is. I think one of my uh, uh, obsessions with cooking, at least the last decade, is is it's like mastery. And I think golf is such a great parallel to it. I find cooking really hard, <laughs> and and this is because I'm a a novice, I'm an amateur, right? And and I see how far you can go. And I think golf has that same analogy where it's like, look how good Rory McIlroy is. Like, look how good Lexi Thompson is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, and, and, and I'm playing the same game. I'm doing the same thing as those chefs or as those professional golfers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the arena, but I have so far to go. And I, I kind of, well, I just want to ask you, like, you, you just said, you just said it. Is there other parallels you see between, you know, your, your craft in the kitchen and your craft or mastery of the golf course? Uh, well, I don't, um, I think they're, they're all so similar because, um, you can't walk very far away from them before you start to lose your touch. Like you, I always describe golf as a jealous mistress. Like you can't, you can't leave her on the shelf. (laughs) You're going to need to check in on a regular basis. If you want to be good, cooking is very much the same way. Like I, I was thinking the other day I was seasoning some eggs for the boys and I just, reach my hand into the, the, to the salt, picked out the right amount, sprinkled it on there and put back what I didn't need. And I thought in my head, I thought, how long did it take me to figure that out? Like how many times did I have to do that? How many repetitions did it take me to know exactly how much salt need to be on this egg and get it right every time? Like, I, and I'm not, I mean, I mean, just not to be too much like this, but, but when I season things, it's usually correct without me tasting them. It's just correct. So it, that's not a talent. That's a, that's a daily grind every day for 25 years. I've done this thing at least one time. So, you know, you're talking about your 20,000 hours. I got that. I got that. No problem. So, and, and you're, and you're, that's, that's so well said. Are you you're working on your twenty thousand in golf? Are you getting there yet? Where's I know you're a range guy, aren't you? Because I'm a range close. rat. I love to I love to practice. There's a range on my way, like on my way to the highway that takes me to Companion. Is uh, is there's a range called Charlie Yates, and I, I it's super convenient. Probably way too convenient. In fact, I don't even have to go in the clubhouse to get the balls. I can just go to the machine and put my phone up, and it shoots the balls out. And then I go, and I don't have to engage i can put my little earbuds in and hit my shots um yeah i don't think i'll ever be great at golf i don't have um i think my my body is not is never going to be there um plus i played volleyball for 25 years and i got pretty good at that if i'd used those years to play golf i'd probably be pretty good by now but i always say that i'm not the best chef in the world i'm not the best golfer in the world but as golfing chef Let's, let's do this. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, uh, the, the new, new club has a, a, um, interesting number of people in the hospitality industry, people mm-hmm. in the restaurant biz. I, I was, I was stunned by it initially when we started new club 2017. I, I didn't know what to really make of it. I was like, huh, but, but, but it must be a little bit of the schedule, right? That, that wor- works well with it. What else do you think it is about the, the hospitality industry that there's, because I know you have a lot of friends in the business that play play golf as well. Shout out mm-hmm. Craig Mikoski at Round yeah. Trip, right? He's he's yeah, yeah. Uh, adjacent to the business, but God, I, I don't know anybody that loves golf as much as he does. And right. um, what like what's what's the uh, what do you think that is? What, why is the industry so suited for the game of golf? Uh, I think it's probably flexibility. Like 
you know, uh, um, the downside to the restaurant business, the hospitality business is when everybody else is having a good time, you're working. That's just, that's just the nature of the business. If you want to work, if you want to be off Saturday and Sunday, might I suggest a different career choice? Um, you know, maybe a bank would be nice or a doctor's office, but, uh, yeah, the flexibility is important. Also, you know, not for nothing, but there's very few restaurateurs, re restaurant hospitality people who make a lot of money. And New Club is a, I mean, it's not cheap, but it's also not, I joined a golf club. I joined a country club, though that is a very pricey investment. And, you know, and it's also like, I, you know, when it comes down to the restaurant hospitality business, I'm used to meeting a lot of different kinds of people. So you can drop me in a number of bins and I'll figure my way around and I'll tell a couple of probably um, expletive written stories and it'll be fine. And then the, the the game ends and then you move on and meet somebody else. So, yeah, it I, makes I, sense. I, I just thought you guys love punishment. And so the game of golf is perfect for people <laughs> that love getting punched in the face every time. <laughs> It, there, there is a, well, there's also a, there is a, there is that like every time out, it's going to be a little hard and you're going to need to figure it out and, you know, roll with the yeah. punches. Yeah. I, uh, I know you're, you're heavily involved in the Latinx community in Atlanta and particularly on the restaurant biz and, and there's so much rich history there. I'll even say from my, uh, outsider perspective, I've never lived in Atlanta, but I started, I dated a girl 15 18 years ago now that I started making consistent trips to Atlanta. And I really have ever since I've had dear friends there and, and everything else, but the, the Latin cuisine to me and the Mexican food in Atlanta, I I've long said is like the, the best, just throw a stone. You find a, a great restaurant. If you, if you're ever in doubt, just go to a Mexican restaurant. You're going to have a great meal. And, and I, and I've loved like even just the simple stuff, like the salsa is better. The queso is better. I don't want to call it simple, but it just, Something about Atlanta for me has, has been that. Tell me, for you, Andy, what does it mean for you to be a part of that community? What does it mean for you to be a, a Latino chef? What, what, what does that mean to you? Well, um, you know, in Atlanta, we're not, uh, I say we as, a, as the larger we, um, we're not there yet. Like, I'm from Dallas, and, and Texas is majority Latino. Um, we just got back from L.A. We took a family trip, and now those are those are Latino communities like the, they are they have a strong foothold in governance and how the cities run and what's going on in the community and charitable organizations and those kind of things. Atlanta is getting better, um, but you will find that most of the people there's not a lot of me's running around Atlanta like I'm second generation on one side and third generation on the other. I'm college educated. I I I. I I, I'm, I'm trying to do my best for the community, but at the same time, like the diaspora has, has taken so long that there's very different kinds of, like there's no one Latino experience because we're all from different countries and we're all of different time spent here in the States. Like I'm an American born citizen and I'm trying to help the people the way my family helped me get to where I am. Um, so Atlanta is growing as far as a, a, a Latino based culture. And I think if we just keep doing things and raising awareness and, and educating, uh, I think that, that that's only going to be better. I, I want, I want all let I want all Mexican food restaurants to be owned by Mexicans. That's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my goal. That's I love. I would love that. If every popular Mexican food restaurant was owned by a Latino, 
I would be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) They're not? You're saying they're not? None. Almost none. Almost none. Dang. You're you're crumbling my little dream. It would be so cool if it were that way. But no, I mean, for years, I didn't, I haven't cooked Mexican food as a profession. I've cooked Southwestern food for about a year and a half. Um, But like, I, I wanted to be considered a serious chef. So I learned how to, I learned how to make French food first. And then I learned a bunch of Asian techniques. Um, I right now I have a bar with rest, bars with restaurant tendencies. Uh, I I have walked all the way around Mexican food until just recently when I started tinkering with tortillas and salsas and fermenting hot sauces and doing these things because I wanted to be considered a serious chef. I didn't want to be Andy Gonzalez Mexican chef. I wanted to be Andy Gonzalez chef who is Mexican American, um, and so. You know, that's that's something that needs to be changed. Like other, no, I mean, like Americans, generally speaking, can do whatever they want to, whenever they want to, and nobody questions why they're doing it. The number of times I've been asked why I make Asian food or why I'm making gnocchi is almost every time. So like, that's my dream is for you to be whatever shade of whatever you want and be able to make whatever you want whenever you want to. And I, I joke about all Mexicans, Mexican food restaurants being owned by Mexicans, but it would be hilarious if it were that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, I get political. <laughs> it's it's great. No, it's it's because, yeah. and, and that takes me to the companion. We got to talk about your, your restaurant because we're going to be there for our dinner, yep. our formal dinner for the club, which I'm super excited about this year. Last year, we made you have a road game, which... Uh, bringing, you know, you having to bring the, the burners and such into the brewery, went to round trip brewery, um, a little different than probably your, your comfort of knowing every inch of your own kitchen, right? A little bit, but I'm used to it. Like I've, I've done charity stuff before. Like, I mean, I've had, I cooked at Ted Turner's like uh, apartment one time and I I've been, I've done charity things where I show up to people's houses and cook and it's always terrifying. There's always like a glass cutting board and your knives get like whittled down to like nubs. And I, it's, it was, it, it was only like, what was it like 30 people, something like that. That's it. I can die with my eyes closed. Not a problem, but yes, it will be easier to do it at, at, a, at a kitchen I designed. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so tell us uh, about the companion, the companion. You just said it, uh, a bar with restaurant tendencies. I thought that, I think that tagline's even on the website, maybe. I, I, I love that. And, uh, personally, Andy, I, I don't think there's been a trip I haven't popped in the last few times I'm down because, and I, and I mean this, the, the food is incredible. The Thanks. spirit of the place is warm. I don't know. That's the word that comes to mind. Um, I was, I was honestly, I was having like one of those weeks where it's just like getting kicked in the head, just, just rough times. Like, and, and I had to make the trip down to Atlanta, running an event and, uh, and I was solo, I was solo. And I sat down at that bar, you were there. You, you, I know you're like, you give yourself a hard time being a tough, tough guy. You are like the warmest, energetic, like you got a great smile. That, that that stemmed to the bar. Everyone knew you at the bar and and two people, I, I didn't know either of these folks. And I didn't want to leave. I just sat there. I had one of the <laughs> best meals. I think I had some type of Asian breakfast that was the special. You had the Chinese breakfast with the crispy pork belly, wilted leeks, sunny side up egg, jasmine rice, chili oil. Yep. 
Boom. That's a, that's a that's a classic. That's I've been making that for I don't know ten years, something like that. Blew my mind, but that for the food was great. The drinks were 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 great. The the but the people I could tell there was a community around this place at, at Companion. So the name is fitting. Tell me about it, man. Like wh- wh- when did you decide you're going out on your own? I mean, I think you had projects before this, but wh- wh- tell us about Companion and, and that journey. What that journey's been like. Well, I I'm, I do have partners in the companion. I'm not the solo owner, but um, uh, I am a majority owner. And so, like, um, when I ran a place, I ran a place called Steinbeck's, and the people who owned most of Steinbeck's, I'm a partner there. Um, they found a spot a spot on the northwest side of Atlanta, and they wanted to know if I wanted to do something there. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I like the neighborhood. Let's check it out. And then it, it was just a matter of like, what's it going to be? And so I wanted um, I wanted a menu that had a bunch of really like large format sandwiches on it and, and burgers. And so our, my graphic designer, Astrid, who, who helps me with all the um, like brand building stuff, uh, logos and, and such menus. She designed our menus. She designed the companion logo, the whole thing. Uh, she was looking into names and she's like, she just put down companion because the etymology is compound with bread, meaning, um, you break bread with people. They are your companions. That's where that comes from. It comes from, um, a, a food, right? Huh. Uh, so like the idea of companionship is someone you eat with someone who's together with you. And so I was like, that's it right there. Cause I love the reference to sandwiches and bread. And so I was like, okay, let's do companion. And then that bled into the look of the place. Like there's a bookshelf right there. Right. So books is companion. There's an enormous mural of a fox and an owl, which are companions, art is companion. The music is cultivated the way we want it to sound. Like no, no, I, when I go to a place and they hear death metal, I'm like, you don't want me to be here. Like you just don't want me to be here. So like the music is super important. And then, you know, the booze should be there and the food should be welcoming and not too challenging. I mean, we certainly do pub standards, but we inject like, you know, chef driven flavors into those. Like the things that you're eating are things that you easily understand. I don't need to, the waiter doesn't need to stand there and describe them for you and tell you how each portion is piece is made. It, it, you don't need any cliff notes, but at the same time, there is technique and hard work in every one of those dishes. And they come from tricks that I've learned over 25 years. So yeah, yeah. that's tell- the companion in a nutshell. That's, that's uh, well said. Does the, does the, Tell us about the the building, because one of those gentlemen I was sitting next to seemed to oh. be the resident historian of of that part of town. Um, tell us about the building, because that was unique. so. The building was a hardware store and a, a wholesaler of explosives uh, called Adams Hardware Store, and they had um, <laughs> it was a very I mean obviously had been around a while. It had like Civil War memorabilia, like cannonballs and such in the corner. And then they sold, it backs up to railroad tracks, right? So the idea was the railroad would come along, they'd come down the ramp, they would load up with explosives and they'd head off to the quarry or out of town. Because Atlanta used to be called Terminus because it was the end of all the railroad lines. That's why there's a golden spike at the Atlanta United Games. That's why they play a, a, a train horn when they score a goal. Atlanta is a railroad town. 
That's why it exists where it exists, because it's at the nexus of um, if you go directly east, you have Savannah and Charleston, which were the two richest port cities in in the world at one point. And then if you go south, you got Florida, and then it kind of fans out to the northwest without any any mountains really being in the way. And I mean, North Georgia has mountains, but they're not they're not like the Rockies. So. So that's what Atlanta's history is. And so that's why that shack was there. There's a quarry not far from there, which is now Atlanta's um, uh, reservoir, water reservoir. And so the quarry got connected to the um, to the water treatment plant via a tunnel. Uh, anyway, th that's I went too far. But yes, th there used to be dynamite there. <laughs> and did, did, when, you, when you guys were, were re- fabbing and doing the your your design of the kitchen did you just stumble on any you know big tnt sticks that you just no no thank god we did not it was that we when we got the when we got the companion it was four walls that you could see daylight through uh the kitchen was not there the patio was not there there was it was just four walls that were collapsing and so if you look at the companion you can see the little bolts that they have um that tie buildings together in low country, we have a grid system that keeps all the walls together. And uh, yeah, it was, it, whew, boy, it was in rough shape. So <laughs> the, uh, 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 that patio area too, I'm excited for, for our, our evening with you guys. Cause I, I can see if the weather's what, nice, then I can see us hanging out and having a, having a beer on that patio. And uh, yeah. I know hey, Mark, I need to, Mark, I need to write your menu. You got any, you got any requests? Is there any? Jeez. I'm not foolish enough to, I, I just, I, I want to see the man work. I want to see the man work. I know Mark has some, some ideas. He wants to get you on, on, on video in action if you're up for it. And he wants his drone. He wants drone footage of the, of the patio with oh, wow. our picture. Cause we always do a picture at the, the formal. So he wants to do that. So he's got, he's got his own vision. I, I'll let, okay. you, we'll, we'll, we'll check the air codes though, before we get, you know, shot yeah. out of the sky. Someone throws TNT at us in the air. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The, it's it's just gonna be a ton of fun. So no, no recommendations for you. I want you to do that. I gotta ask you about Good Morning America. I, I gotta get this. Oh, gotta get this yeah. in. I mean, you, you became a celebrity amongst our membership because everyone. Uh, <laughs> you have. I don't, no, I don't. A steep, but yeah, I, okay. I, amongst our membership, I don't know broader. <laughs> amongst but, our membership, dude. A lot of people watch Good Morning America, so don't don't mm -hmm. shrug it off too much. Like that's a massive, massive show. You were on television with Michael Strahan. Tiki Barber and Jalen Rose cooking hamburgers in Times Square, brother. Like, yeah. just tell tell me about that experience. Well, they uh, <laughs> they called up. They like called, like just randomly called the companion, and they're like, "Hey, Good Morning America wants to talk to you." One of the waiters was like, "Hey," and I was like, oh, "Okay, sure." Sure, they do. And I was like, hey, this is Andy. And they're like, hey, do you want to be on Good Morning America? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Why don't you send me an email and we'll verify if you're who you are, you say you are, and we'll go from there. So they sent me an email. And uh, we ended up on, um, yeah, doing a burger challenge against the local restaurant. And we ended up winning that. And the next the next phase was to go to, to New York City. So we had to, my, my wife and I had planned a vacation that week and we had to cut it short. So she and I flew up to New York City and did the thing. And she's like, is this outside? And I was like, I guess so. I, they didn't really tell me. And they're like, we have a full kitchen. I was like, you have, you have like a, you have a basement with costumes in it and a microwave. That's not, <laughs> you see, that's not a full kitchen. <laughs> so, so. so sounds yeah, like a new so, formal. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, I wish. I was better equipped at the new club formal than I was at Good Morning America. 
So yeah, so we uh they've made like a garden party in Times Square. I'm looking at the Jumbotron. People are like yelling and shit and like meeting Strahan was weird. He was super nice. And as a Cowboys fan, meeting a giant and Tiki Barber was nice. Everybody was so nice. And so yeah, so I mean we didn't win the grand prize. A, a rapper won the grand prize, but you know what are you going to do? You, you can you can't you can't slow those rappers down. So yeah. Uh, that rapper also had two chefs and two publicists with them. And when I saw that I was like this you ain't going to win this. We're not going to win this. <laughs> but you're a competitor. Like you must have been into the competition element of it because I played golf with you. I know that you know where the match stands. At all times. Yeah. So at all, were, all the time I want to win. Were you yeah. disappointed at all that you didn't take down the grand prize? Yes. Yes, I was a hundred my wife was like, Look, I've been prepping you for this for like a month. There was a chance that you weren't gonna win. She's like, You had a good chance on the first one, but the second one you have to figure there are other powers at work here. So like everybody else, they told they gave everybody else a timeline, right? We need burgers at like eight oh eight to show and then we need the rest of your burgers at 8.15 and then those have to be ready for the judges at this time. And so like in my chef brain, I'm like, which is most of my brain, um, I was like, well, if I need burgers at 8.15, that means I need to fire burgers at 8.02. And so like I fire burgers at 8.02 and everything's going on schedule. Everything's really good. And I'm looking and everybody else shit is done. Like they're, they sandbagged it and it's just on a platter. And I'm like, okay, cool. I thought this was a cooking competition. My bad. I brought bacon. I brought my own bacon on the plane. Cause I wanted to make sure it was the right. It was right. Yes. So like I'm, I've up for burgers fired. It's like five minutes. No problem. We're good. Dressing salad, uh, melting cheese, blah, 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 doing the thing. And then they're like, it's like commercial. Then they come back to commercial. The burgers need to be ready. And I'm on I'm on time, but they're like 45 seconds, 30 seconds, 28 seconds, 25 seconds. And I'm like, dude, stop doing that. It's not helping me. So, so I'm like, bam, 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 bam. And everybody's like, you got it, man. You're going to be fine. I'm like, I know it's going to be fine. Everybody just shut up. And so I get it all done. The burgers are fresh. It's on. We're on live and out the burgers go. It's like perfect. I could not have timed it any better. On national television, yeah, and then I didn't get any, that, and then I didn't get any votes. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? What they want? They like cold burgers better? What was the deal? I get. I don't. It doesn't matter. There was a ba- yeah. there was a peanut butter and jelly burger on there. I lost to that too. I'm like, but you know, the, it's, I every time I say you know it's not a big deal, part of me is like, no, fuck that, no, it's a big deal. <laughs> I had a feeling. I knew because, like, <laughs> honestly, no, getting to that on Good Morning America, that type of exposure, yeah, that's the that's the winning for sure. Yes. But but I know it's like like uh, uh, what's a there's so many analogies in golf that I feel all the freaking time where it's like I'm not gonna let it ruin my day if I don't lose right. a match. But I don't care if I'm playing a 32 handicap and having to give them 34 shots. I'm I want to win that match. Mm-hmm. And if and if I don't, a little bit of me is just like, well, what could I have done differently there? Okay, well, you could have made that eagle putt. That would have put yeah. you one up. That would have flipped the match. You know, stuff like that. So I'm sure you as a competitor, which I, I love competitive people, I think, for that reason. It's like, it's not, as long as it doesn't overshadow 
the experience. No, no, no. Right? It doesn't. No, I, I still had a lovely time. My wife spent the rest of the day in New York City. Uh, 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 we, we had a great lunch. It was amazing. Like I can't, I can't duplicate that. Like people asked me if I was nervous, and I was like, you can't be nervous about what you don't understand. Like I, you can't comprehend that you're standing in fucking Times Square making hamburgers next to a Hall of Famer. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't. That just doesn't go through. So it's like, yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience. And I, you know, whatever, it would have been nice to win, but you know, at the same time, like, you know, it was cool. It was cool. And when, you know, when you you come down to competitiveness, like it's, uh, I, I want to win every time out. Like, I don't want to, like my, my sons are like, uh, are you going to let me win at this, at this video game? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you win. You don't get to be a good player by me letting you win. You don't get better if people just let you just dance on through. You got to do you got to do the work. So, yeah. Uh you're also I rewatched it uh just as cuz I knew you're coming on the show. You're the first uh person probably in the history of Good Morning America to use the word am- amalgam. 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 What is amalgam? It's an amalgam. I didn't look it up. I, I didn't look um, it up. An amalgam is is a combination of different things. So it's like, uh, so yeah. So like the idea of the, uh, the, the yeah. tower of power, the burger that we serve is an amalgam of uh, the double double from In-N-Out, the Big Mac and the Wendy's uh, junior bacon cheeseburger and a little bit of a, of a water burger all the way with bacon and cheese. So it's those four things, those four burgers smashed into one burger. It's an amalgam of those four, four burgers. And a friend of mine texted me right after and is like, why did you, why did you say amalgam on Good Morning America? Nobody knows what the fuck that means. <laughs> it's no wonder you lost with your big words. <laughs> your big words showing up. It's a burger competition. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. Um, gosh, I could, Andy, I could talk with you all day. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long. And, uh, uh, oh, God. So, so many more other questions I have for you, but um, I, I maybe I'll round us out with this. Like, you've been successful in this this really difficult thing of, of the restaurant business. What what do you? I I like one one thing. I think I've I've started to enjoy time with people like yourself that stem a lot of positivity and and have worked really hard at their crafts. And so you know, part entrepreneur, part chef, you have this mastery of your job, but you have the the business elements of running a, a kitchen, a restaurant. Like, what would you contribute to to your success after this many, many years now? Um, I'm sure it's not all all, all rosy and, and, and good things every time, but on the long path, like what, what would you say has made you you successful in, in both your, your career and life? Don't give up. Like, just don't give up. Like, be... Yeah, my mom is really tough. She's uh can be hard to deal with from time to time, but I understand why she's hard to deal with cuz I'm very much like her. Like she once she was once complaining about uh me and my siblings via phone call and uh she said, "You know, I just don't understand why my children are so hard to to get through to." I mean, I I just don't know why you guys are so judgmental and and so short-tempered and i said mom if i bought a chair and the chair was broken would i blame the chair or would i blame the person that built the chair 
end of phone call. She did not enjoy that point that I made. <laughs> However, it stands to reason that my success is came from my mother. All the flaws and all the positives, they all came from somewhere. And I would say that success in the restaurant business and success at golf are about not giving up a success at anything. Like I tell my boys all the time, nobody was born good at anything. You're, you're not going to be preternaturally good at anything. You might have talents here and there, but they they must be developed. And if you're too good at something out of the, off the jump, it won't, you won't stay interested. You'll give it up and leave it. Like greatness is built through stubbornness. Like you have to not give up. If you fall down, you get up. You learn more from losses than you do wins. Speaking of good morning, America. <laughs> <laughs> and and being a Cowboys fan, a lifelong Cowboys oh, fan. Oh, that's, that's unnecessary. That is <laughs> low. I had to that slip is, that one in. That, <laughs> it's football thank season. God, thank God the Rangers won. Otherwise, I'd have nothing. I would be I would yeah. be a sad, sad Cowboys fan watching them getting get undressed on national television. So yeah, yeah, no, no, that that's and that was really uh, beautifully said, and and I think awesome way to to round us out. I know uh, I actually sent out the the um, tea times this morning, so I know you're playing in our monthly medal at Horseshoe yeah. Bend on Saturday. Good luck to you. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, I'll there. need it. I've never seen that golf course. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I really like Horseshoe Bend. It's a Joe Lee. It's it's uh, there's there's some there's some really good holes out there. I, there's oh, I'm sure holes. it's a lovely golf course. I'm just saying, I'm uh, you always play better when you know what's coming. Although maybe maybe that's not true. That's that's maybe that's not true. Sometimes it keeps you more focused when you haven't seen the course when you're not hitting rote shots. Like probably the, the best round I ever played was at Standard Club. I've only played it once. I shot a 76. I don't think I've ever. And I'd never been back, um, so maybe that's a possibility. There's a, I, I think there is. Like for for a professional golfer, definitely not, because I think like okay. when they get to see a golf course, it adds so much to. But for the average player that's going out and like, if you hit to the center of greens, most holes you're going to play way better than if your aim is a little bit right because the pin's on the right side or a little bit left because the pin's. On, I know that's true. I know that's true. But also, I think there's a psychology too. Uh, you might play a little bit less, like if you don't know the trouble, you might swing a little bit more freely, you know, yeah. where it's like, you don't know that that water's in play because right. you've never hit it. You've never hit it there before. So you're just going to swing freely versus like, um, I don't know. That, that's my thought on Because I, I tend to play better the first time I see a course, I think. There's also think a, a release of expectation. Like I find that if I'm not, if I don't expect something, then I'm usually, I usually do better. Like- I, if I'm not like, this should be amazing and it will be amazing and I will will it to be amazing, odds are I'm going to fuck that up. So. <laughs> and as I'm, as as we round out, Andy, I'm checking the leaderboard right now because I saw this a few days ago. Top 16, make the finals for new club, club championship in Atlanta, November 4th, two days after our formal evening with Companion. Uh, Andy Gonzalez currently at 61 points in 19th place. Only three spots away from number 16. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. You're going to get a bunch of points if you win tomorrow. I, Knowing the competitor in you, I am expecting, if I open the app tomorrow afternoon, I am fully expecting Andy Gonzalez to be maybe not in the top three of the net of the gross <laughs> division. But on the net side, I am 
fully expect on the net side. On the net side, I might have a shot, but on the gross, no, no, not enough strokes, not enough. Uh, yeah, it's just it's that it's that high floor. You know what I mean? I'm just not gonna blow up. I'm just not gonna. But yeah. I'm also not gonna go low. Well, you're a gentleman, you're a competitor, you're a hell of a chef. Andy Gonzalez, thank you for coming on the backdrop this morning, man. It was Thanks for having really... me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, this was fun. I look forward to seeing you real soon, man. Cheers. Take care.